Here's a question for you. What do you call a group of hypocritical, lying, selfish, angry, greedy, lonely, conniving, cheating, racist, porn-watching, addiction-feeding, people who talk too much, worry too much, drink too much, smoke too much, blame too much, act high and mightier too much, but who gather together because they believe Jesus is the Son of God and loves us? What do you call that group of people? Maybe a church? Are you uh, sufficiently offended? Or, Or maybe you go like, that's exactly why I don't like going to church, like you hit it right there. Now, we have a church value around the ridge. It kind of goes like this. This is what it says. We aren't perfect, but we will be real. We believe God has called us to share our faults and weaknesses and not fake it. So if you're here today, if you're online, I'm so glad you're here. If you're here in person, I'm so glad that you're here. I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that the ridge, this church is made up of real people, people who mess up, pastors who mess up, hypocrites, you might call us, sinners, you might call us. See, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but we're trying our best to be honest about it, to own it, to share who we are and where we fall short and not fake it and not act like everybody who goes to church has it all figured out because that's just not true. But we also believe that Jesus loves us and that he died on the cross for where we fall short, where we aren't perfect. And he gives us this amazing thing, this undeserved favor, this grace that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Now, we've been in this series called The Solution for Everything. And we've been talking about how grace really is all that we need, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, and that God gives us this undeserved favor, this love through Jesus. And we believe because Jesus loves us that we should really love other people because just like we aren't perfect, they aren't perfect, but they're loved. Doesn't that sound good? Kind of like a little warm and fuzzy, a little hug for you this morning. That just sounds so nice. A place where you just don't have to be perfect, but you're encouraged to give Jesus your best shot. I mean, grace given freely to you. I mean, that sounds so good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's, here's me being honest with you. I love this concept when it's aimed at me. When I'm the one that's receiving the grace. You know, when I'm the one that's forgiven. When I'm the one that doesn't have to be perfect. That sounds so nice. I like to receive the grace. I don't like it as much when I'm the one who has to give the grace, you know? Like when I'm the one who's been hurt. When I'm the one who's been wronged. When I'm the one that somebody and their mistakes and their sin and where they fall short kind of impacts my life, when I'm called to kind of spread the grace around, I don't like that as much. Who in your life do you struggle to give grace? I really want you to come up with a name. Right now, wherever you are, just think about in your life right now, who is it really hard to give grace? See, we have trouble kind of extending grace to certain kinds of people. So let me help you out. If you're having trouble coming up with a name, maybe it's somebody who's hurt you. You know, someone who lied to you and it really impacted your life. Or someone who is currently lying about you to somebody else through gossip. Or maybe somebody who has abused you. And you go, I'm not giving them grace. Or someone who's making life more difficult and you dread to see them. And you know what I'm talking about. Like when you're in the grocery store and you see the person and then you like kind of duck down behind the behind the thing, like you've never done that. You're acting like you've never done it. And you're like, I've never read the Cocoa Puffs label as intently as I'm reading this box in front of me because I'm not acknowledging them. Just me? Cool. 
I mean, but there's real deal hurt. Like somebody who broke your wedding vows. Or, or someone who's actively doing something to you that's unspeakable. Or maybe it's to somebody you know. Maybe it's to your spouse or your friend or your family. And you go like, I just don't know how to deal with it. Or maybe it, it's a label that you call somebody. That's a good indicator. It's a hard time giving them grace. You, know, you call them a jerk or a fool or a sinner or good for nothing or things that are a whole lot stronger than that. Who's that person in your life that you struggle to give grace? Got the name? Got it? Got it locked in? Because we think grace is for us, not them. You know, not the people who wronged us. You know, just people like us who are doing our best, you know, who, who are giving it our best shot, but we're missing it. See, we get all this grace but we're so harsh to other people. And we think they kind of deserve it because they've wronged us. And the fact of the matter is, here's just, I think, the truth kind of underlying this when when I'm talking in kind of a, a church like this. See, the people who go to church are at times the most critical, the angriest, the harshest judges of character. That's myself included. And at times, the people who have received God's grace for some reason, are the least likely to give God's grace to other people. Now, Jesus knows this is true, I think. So much so, he asked this amazing question. Jesus is a master at asking questions. And so he asks this question to those who follow him, people who, who surrender their life to him, people who say, yeah, I believe in you. And it's an uncomfortable question. It's kind of an offensive question. It kind of sucker punches me a little bit. I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus sucker punching you, but that's kind of the image that I have right now. This is Matthew 7, 3. Check this out. This is what it says. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? I don't like this verse at all. Not one bit of it. Because if you actually think about it, it's kind of offensive. So the speck that he's talking about is the, is the stuff that maybe my friend does wrong. This other person that it's hard to give grace to what they've done wrong. And the log that he's talking about is what I do wrong. So both the speck and the log kind of represent sin, our mistakes, where we fall short of God's standard. And Jesus is asking this question. He's going, why do you focus all of your attention, all your anger, all of your bitterness, all the emotion and the judgment about that little itty bitty tiny little speck in their eye, and you have no mind to even consider your own faults, your own failures, your own issues, your own problems, your own habits, your own attitudes, and the log sticking out of their eye. See, we want to do it because we want to get it. That's why we care about grace. But not for those who've wronged us. So why don't we do it? Why don't we extend grace? Why is this so difficult for us to do? Well, two reasons that I think we're so worried about the speck and not the log. Here they are. Here are the two reasons. See, we think their sin, it's not a speck. Here's the second one. We think our sin, well, it's not a log. Think about that name that you thought of. We think, look, it's not a speck. How would you describe that person to me? Like if we were just sitting one-on-one like in a coffee shop or something, and we were talking about that person, how would you describe the person who you don't want to give grace to? Would you say things like, she's the worst? She's the worst. Don't trust her. She's not trustworthy. She hurt me. She hurt my friend. See, it's, it's not a speck, Adam. It's a log. 
And I think about my name. Like, I have a name in my head. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to, like, point, like, at the end, be like, and it's you. And that's not what we're going to do. I'm not going to bring this person out or anything like that. But I have somebody that I've been thinking about as I've kind of been thinking about this concept of extending grace. And I think, and I would tell you honestly, I don't think it's a speck. You have no idea. If only you knew. If only you knew what this person said or this person did. Then you change your opinion. You don't know. See, we get defensive and we're like, Jesus, how can you say? How can you say it's a speck? You have no idea how much they hurt me. And we think if that's not a speck, then this is definitely not a log in my eye. I mean, their sin is huge. My sin, you know, I'm working on it. You see how arrogant that is? See, we accept the grace. and You know what? I'm not perfect, but I'm going to be real and I'm covered because of God's grace, and I'm doing my best, and I'm putting in some effort. Not like this guy. And Jesus, this is one thing I love. I just love when I read the Bible, when Jesus doubles down. So he's already kind of kind of sucker punched us. And this is 7-4. This is the verse right after that. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. What do you call a group of lying, selfish, angry, greedy, lonely, conniving, cheating, racist, porn-watching, addiction-feeding, people who talk too much, worry too much, drink too much, smoke too much, blame too much, act higher and mightier too much, but who gather together because they believe Jesus is the Son of God and who loves us? What do you call that group of people? Well, we call it the church. And Jesus says, listen, you don't get to judge other people and their sin without dealing with the sin in your own life. That's not really how grace works. See, we're okay with getting the grace, but we judge others before we give it to them. You ever stop to think about, like, why, why does God extend us grace? Do you have an answer for that? So why? You know, why did God decide to send Jesus to die on the cross for logs in our own eye? Because even though, here's my answer, even though he sees you for exactly who you are, which he does. And he takes all of it in consideration. And he understands what you've experienced and what you've done and what's been done to you. He understands all of it. And here's his response. He says, I love you anyway. No matter what. I love you anyway. Romans 5.8 kind of says it like this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. While we have the plank in our eye. God shows us this grace through Jesus. Like right now, right where you are, we receive the grace because that's how much God loves us. And God is able to take your whole story into account and then he gave you what you deserved the least, but what you needed the most. And it's because of that love that we are called to extend grace. See, if we begin to understand that we are in desperate need of love and we're in desperate need of grace, then we can start to understand that God loves that person that we don't want to extend grace toward just as much as he loves us. Just as much. See, we give grace, we love others because God gives grace to us and loves us. It's the only reason. It's the foundational reason. Because this doesn't make sense without it. It's all about love. Here's kind of another way of saying it. So as we receive grace, 
we extend grace. It's like a revolving door of grace. Get grace, give grace. Get grace, give grace. Get grace, give grace. And we can do it because God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. See, the person that you need to give grace has hurt you, likely. They've made a mistake. They've fallen short. And grace reminds us that so have we. We've made mistakes and we've fallen short. And we sinned against God's kind of perfect standard too. And it doesn't matter if you count that as a small sin and mine as a big sin or vice versa. You're like, theirs is huge and mine is tiny. See, God gave us grace because he loves us and he doesn't have all of these kind of comparisons in mind. So he says, here's your grace. And then immediately turn around and extend the same type of grace, even though that person doesn't deserve it. So how do we do this? How do we give grace? It's hard enough for us to understand receiving grace, but how do we give grace? Well, I think Jesus tells us. I love the Bible. He just straight up says, this is how you do it. Check this out. Let's go back to Matthew 7.4. This is what we just read. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. And then he adds this. This is what he says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. That's like so simple. It's just genius. It's just like, oh, you don't know how to do it? Here, here's how you do it. So how do we extend grace? First thing, he just says it right up front. He says, examine your eye. That's it. Just pay attention. Because I'm so quick to notice their speck, right? And I'm so quick to ignore like the log in my own. And Jesus says, hey, you need to identify your own hypocrisy, your own sin. You have to pay attention to what's going on in your life. And if we don't, it makes it really hard for us to see clearly. Can you imagine, you know, you're driving down the street and you're doing everything you're supposed to do. So like you're 10 and 2, you're going the speed limit. You're never looking at your phone because none of us do that. So we're going down the street, but you have a toothpick in your eye. How wise is that to just keep driving with the the toothpick in your eye? We pretty easily start to go, let's not do that, okay? Don't like get into your car the next time you get into it and say, hey, doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going. Everybody will get out of my way. It's a big deal. There's like water or blood, whatever, like flowing down your face. You got this toothpick in your eye. That's a big deal. So what do you need to do? Well, identify that there's a toothpick in your eye. Examine your eye. So here are three simple steps to examine your eye. Check this out. Slow down. Ask God. Ask others. It's as simple as that. Slow down. Ask God. Ask others. So take a deep breath. Because we go too fast to even pay attention to what's going on in our eye. And if we're running too fast, we run right past the mistake. So slow down. And then if you're bold enough, if you're serious about this, start to examine the eye. Ask God to help you out. What's actually going on? Because he'll answer. He knows. Say, God, show me. Show me what's in my eye. And if you're really serious about this, to crank it up another notch, ask other people. Say, what is it? Ask somebody in your group at the Ridge, what is it? Ask your kids, what is it? Ask your spouse, what is it? Ask your friend, what is it? Ask your family member, what is it? Because people can see it. You think you're hiding it, but they can actually see it. Examine your eye. Identify your sin. 
That's, he's just starting right there. It's so simple, so clear. So once you do that, what do you do next? So you've, you found the log. What do you do? Well, check this out. This, this is the second thing he says. Remove the log. I mean, this is so simple. See, no one in their right mind would just go around with a log sticking out of their eye. If this actually happened, we would go right away and get it removed. So how do we do this? How do we kind of remove that log? Well, I don't want to make a blanket statement. I understand that the log can represent a lot of different things. But maybe it's that you say things like you love other people, but you actually gossip behind their back. Well, identify that. Or maybe it's that you tell a friend, hey, you need to do what is right, but then you're the one who's not faithful to your wife. Or maybe it's that you post the Bible verse on Instagram, and right before that, you looked at something you shouldn't have looked at, or you were judging somebody, or you were saying something that you shouldn't have said. See, those are the types of things that I think examining your eye can reveal. And as you identify the log in your own eye, here's the bottom line. Here's what he's saying. Deal with it. That's it. Deal with it. That could mean all sorts of things. Asking for forgiveness, confessing a mistake, making it right in some way. But no matter what the log is, deal with it. Remove the log. You don't just get to say, okay, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't need to. I've identified it. That's just who I am, y'all. I'm just being true to who I am. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, deal with it. There are people who can help you. God can help you do the same kind of process. Slow down, ask God, and ask other people. And maybe you need a little help doing it. Maybe you're going, okay, I think I kind of know some of the stuff that it is. I have this thing that I don't even want to mention, but I kind of know what it is. And this is a really hard step to deal with it and to get help. And we want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. So if you want to talk to somebody about what help might look like, what a next step might look like, here's what you can do. You can just text the word chat to 812-408-1188, and we'll follow up with you. No judgment, all grace. We'll pray with you, and we'll try to help you kind of identify that next step in dealing with it. So he says, okay, you've identified it, and you've removed it. Well, let's go back to what Jesus said. This is verse 5. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Okay, check. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So you've done all of this. You've dealt with your hypocrisy. And then and only then, only then, this is a process. First, second. First, second. We have to be able to see clearly enough to then deal with the speck. And some of us, maybe me, we need to stop right here because we haven't done the first two steps. And honestly, I believe the more that we actually examine ourselves and we ask God and we deal with that log, the less bothered and the less offended and the less angry we are. That doesn't mean we haven't been harmed. That doesn't mean that everything's okay. But then we're ready after we kind of examine it, after we remove, then we're ready to deal with the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse is deal with the speck gracefully. That's all it is. See, examine your eye, remove the log, then deal with the speck gracefully. So yeah, maybe that speck is a super huge deal and you've been hurt and that's true. And grace doesn't excuse the sin in another person. And we get that confused. We think if I give grace, then they get off scot-free. And that is the opposite of what grace is. Because in the definition, grace, we don't deserve it. Neither do they. But as we deal with it and as we examine our own heart, we come to this place that we can and perhaps we should start dealing with the speck in their eye. 
So how do we deal with it? And you've been waiting for this. You're like, what do I get to do? Do I get to punch them? Like, what do I get to do? Like, tweezer in their eye? Like, let's go. This is fun. We finally got there. So just a couple verses later, this is what Jesus says. This is Matthew 7, 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. So it's really just treating others the way you'd want to be treated. Is that a letdown? Maybe a little. It's the golden rule. And you go, I wanted something like, and you do this and you say this and it's magic and it unlocks all of these things. And Jesus is saying, no, think about that name that you've had in your head the whole time. Think about that person, the person that you have a really, really hard time kind of giving grace. What does it look like to treat them the same way that you would want to be treated? With the same grace, with the same truth, with the same love. What do you call a group of hypocritical, lying, selfish, angry, greedy, lonely, conniving, cheating, racist, porn-watching, addiction-feeding people? who talk too much, worry too much, drink too much, smoke too much, blame too much, act higher and mightier too much, but who gather together because they believe Jesus is the Son of God and loves us. You know what I call that group of people? I call it the ridge. And we want to be a church full of people who aren't perfect, but who love Jesus so much that they extend grace to the people in their lives even when it's hard. See, our vision is to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. That's the vision here at the Ridge. And I believe that the church actually, the Ridge actually, engages people best when it extends grace the most. When the grace that we're talking about is so apparent in our lives, in our homes, in our church, that people are forced to stop and pay attention because it doesn't make sense. See, I don't think church and I don't think Jesus is just kind of another good thing to do, neutral or just as good as everything else. No, I think Jesus is life-changing, but it's because of this grace that we're talking about. I believe Jesus really did die on the cross for me and for you and for the people that you love and for the people that you really cannot stand. And we have this opportunity to give grace because he gave us grace. We have this opportunity to treat them the way we would want to be treated. So what does it look like in your life to treat that person, that name that you have in your head, what does it look like to treat that person the way you would want to be treated? Because we received grace. We fall way short. We know what it feels like to not measure up. We know what it feels like to be loved anyway. It's amazing. See, grace saves. Grace is all we need, even in our weakness. Grace isn't fair. It's far better. Grace is greater than fair. And as we receive grace, this love, care, abundant, amazing, glory-filled thing from Jesus, as we receive grace, Jesus is whispering in your ear, Just give it back. Just give it back. It's way better. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is a concept that is is something that we, we might understand, but we don't really want to do. At least I don't, all the time that we say, yes, I'm so thankful for your grace, and it makes me feel good. But then extending the grace, giving the grace, ah, doesn't make me feel good. 
That's harder. So as you challenge us with that concept today, as you say, no, give the grace because that is, that is, the, that is the next step in that relationship with, with you, help us do that. Help us go throughout this week and give so much grace that people notice that it is countercultural, that it's, it's against even what we owe, all want or desire. That's not selfish. It's not about us. It's just extending this grace because of your love and because of the cross and because you gave us grace in the first place. Help us be a model of this grace because we think that this grace transforms lives and it is the most loving thing that we can possibly do is to be a grace-filled church. We love you. We're thankful for your grace. And it's because of it that we pray today. Amen.